Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we just want to thank you as we share your word. We, we thank you for the authenticity of your word, the power of your word. We thank you for your word transforms, it sets free, it lifts burdens, it destroys yokes, it illuminates our path. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for without your word, where would we be? Lord, by your spirit, O oh God, breathe upon every word that is spoken Holy Spirit, rest upon every person who is listening, O God, and let that combustion take place between speaking under your anointing and listening under your anointing that brings about change and transformation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, on our journey into God's promises, we uh, made a stop um, at the circumstances that uh, led to the children of Israel worshipping the, gold, the golden calf or the gold calf. Um, historians tell us it was actually a bull that they shaped, that was shaped by, by Aaron. Uh, this account, uh, the, 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 this story is written in Exodus, the 32nd chapter. And last week, uh, we focused on Aaron um, in what we called uh, a failure in leadership. Um, and today, we want to uh, focus on Moses. And if you want a title for today's message, it's apt that the day we are talking about the prayer shield, uh, that the title for today's message is the heart of intercession. The heart of intercession. And a quick whiz through just to bring us to where we, where we start, in a sense, this message. You know what happened. Moses went up the mountain to be with God. Um, the children of Israel got impatient waiting for him to come down. And the children of Israel, and you know, these children of Israel were special. Uh, they're a special breed of, of people. Um, they, they, they said to Aaron, this Moses, uh, this man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. That, that, those are their exact words. Uh, um, and, and so please, can you make us a God uh, that we can celebrate um, as the God that brought us out of Egypt? And Aaron, as part of his failure um, as a leader, succumbed to the pressure, um, asked them to bring the gold earrings that they, that they were wearing, broke the earrings off, and fashioned, the Bible says, a molded calf. And then the children of Israel engaged in worship before this calf. They, they had a feast, they offered burnt offerings, they bought, brought peace offerings to this calf, this golden calf. Um, they ate and drank, and then they, in biblical language, rose up to play, which is just a biblical phrase for um, um, immorality and probably sexual immorality that accompanied the worship. I mean, things were bad. Now, God, of course, saw this thing and, and, and said to Moses, you better go down. Your people, that's what God said. They were no longer his people. But God said, your people 
that, 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 that you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside from everything I, have, I commanded. They've made a calf and they are now worshipping the calf. Um, and he then said to Moses, they are so stiff-necked, these people. Just leave me alone. Let my anger burn hot against them and I will consume them. And then Moses pleaded with God. Um, and in a sense, th that's where I want to take up this narrative with regards to the heart of, of intercession. And intercessor, of course, you know, is one who mediates in prayer on behalf of another with God, one who stands in the gap for God. And there is a desperate need for intercession. The Bible in the book of Ezekiel paints a picture about, about the state of Israel that wouldn't be far from the picture that could be painted about many nations in the world. Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter. Please come with me. Verses 23 to 29. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the clean and unclean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood to destroy people and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord, when the Lord had not spoken. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. Um, it's a picture that was applicable to, to Israel then. But, but I'm sure you'll agree with me as you look at the state of the world. It's a description that could apply to the world today. Uh, profanity, immorality, um, and dishonesty, um, um, even, even amongst those who declare that they are prophets. Uh, you see things that are not Christ-like. You know, it, it is a bad state of affairs. You know, greed rules, materialism rules. Um, people have no respect and no regard for God. They want to pull down the things of God. And the list goes on and on. People have become oppressive. People have committed robbery. The poor and the needy are mistreated. They oppress the stranger. And the list goes on and on. Racial injustice, racial discrimination. Uh, and you can just go on and on. And what is God's response when a nation gets to this stage? When there are things in the nation that are so against godliness and righteousness, what is God's response? It's the same response that, that, that he had for the children of Israel in, that, in, the, in those times that I have described to you. In verse 30, this is God's response. This is God constant response. He says, verse 30, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So I sought for a man. 
God is still seeking for a man or a woman. When things get as bad as described there, God's response so that the land is not destroyed is to seek for a man or a woman. I dare say that concerning the United Kingdom, it hasn't changed. God is still seeking for a man or a woman. And I want to ask you if you will volunteer. God is asking, will you stand in the gap? Will you bridge the gap? Will you become that intercessor that will mediate on, the, on behalf of the people so that the land is not destroyed? God will always seek for a man. Unfortunately, the Bible says he found no one. And verse 31 tells you the result when God does not find a person who will intercede or stand in the gap. Verse 31, therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God, because he could not find a man. He couldn't find a woman who would stand in the gap. There was no one. People were too selfish, too self-centered, too consumed by their own agenda. People were too distracted. And so no one could be found to stand in the gap. And the result was the judgment that came on the nation because no one could plead for mercy on behalf of the nation. That's why intercessors are precious to God. Because for God's plans and purposes to come to pass in a family, in a community, in a nation, there must be those who are standing in the gap, interceding and petitioning God for his plans and purposes to come to pass. If there are no intercessors, the result is always a disaster. And you know, the ministry of intercession is a precious one. It is one that is commended to us by the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the one ministry that Jesus still engages in? Every other expression of ministry is finished. When he said it is finished, he meant it was finished. He had done his part. He was now going to heaven, the Bible tells us, to be seated on the right hand of God until God makes his enemies his footstool using the body of Christ, you and I. And so he gave all ministry to us so that we can engage in that ministry to advance his kingdom. But one ministry he is still engaged in and will continue to be engaged in until the end of the ages. And that is the ministry of intercession. It tells us how precious this ministry is to him. The Bible says in Romans the 8th chapter and the 34th verse, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, 
who also makes intercession for us, at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. This is the, the, a beautiful picture of the grace of God. Romans 8 verse 34, that same scripture in the Passion Translation, it says, Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the Anointed One, for He gave His life for us, and even more than that, He has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at His right hand. So how could He possibly condemn us since He is continually praying for our triumph? The Bible says Jesus is making intercession for you and I. What is he interceding about? What is he saying to God? We might not know the specifics, but the Bible gives us enough of a picture for us to know that he is interceding continually for our triumph. He's interceding for you to overcome, interceding for you to, to reach your destination, interceding for you to be triumphant, interceding for you to get through, interceding for you to arrive there, interceding for you to fulfill God's plans and God's purposes. The writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews the 7th chapter and the 25th verse, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What a glorious ministry. When we partake in that ministry here on earth, we are joined with our Lord and Savior who is engaged in that ministry continuously in heaven, making intercession for us. And you will find that all through the Bible, those who committed themselves to the place of intercession, the Bible commends them to God. The Bible describes their intimacy, their proximity to God because of the nature of that ministry of intercession. And if we're talking about an intercessor par excellence, it surely has to be Moses. Exodus 32 verses 9 and 10. This is God now declaring to Moses his anger. I have seen this people. Indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And then he makes such a tempting offer to Moses. And I will make of you a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. He was literally saying to Moses, I'm going to elevate you to the place of Abraham. I'm going to make you the father of, of, of the nations. I, I, I'm God. I can do it. It doesn't change my plan. It doesn't change what I, what I purpose to do. These people have annoyed me so much with their profanities, with their immorality, with their rebellion, with being stiff-necked, that let's just put them aside and let's get on with the plan. But, because, but, but concerning you, you will be part of the plan. In fact, you will be the foundation of the plan. I will make of you a great nation. And what was Moses' response? Verses 11 to 14. And, and please, just, 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 just stay with me over the next so many minutes as we just have a lesson on intercession. If you want to, this is Intercession 101 by a master. 
Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm, harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he would do to his people. Just want to share with you a few things about the heart of intercession. Not the heart in terms of Moses' heart, I will share some of that, but the heart in terms of the, the, the crux, the, the core, the, 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 the center, the, the important thing about intercession. Number one, Moses himself, the intercessor. Three things that he shows us very clearly that are at the heart of intercession. If you want to be an intercessor, number one, you must be selfless. And we see Moses' selflessness displayed. God makes him an amazing offer. And truthfully, I want you to pause and really think about it. God wasn't asking him to do anything. Nothing wrong. God wasn't even asking him to agree with him. God was merely telling him that I'm going to destroy these people and I'm going to continue to use you for my plans. But what did Moses do? Did he jump at the offer? No, he didn't. He had compassion for the people. He knew that it was not about him, but it was about them. He empathized despite their rebellion and them being stiff-necked and obstinate and obnoxious. But he had the heart of an intercessor. And I, the heart of an intercessor is a heart of compassion. A, a heart that feels for the people you're interceding for even when they are not doing what they should do. He was selfless. A lot of the praying that goes on in church today is selfish. You would wonder that with so much prayer, surely certain nations should have changed. Prayer meetings every Friday. Prayer meetings on Monday. Long hours in prayer. And I would suggest that a lot of the prayer is missing the point. The Bible talks about praying amiss. And believe me, there's nothing wrong with petitioning God for our needs. But where our needs become the only thing we are praying about, then we have missed the point because there are no intercessors, no, no one who will be selfless in putting the needs of others before their own needs. An intercessor is that kind of person. He is selfless. Moses was selfless. He didn't think to himself, I can be like Father Abraham. No, it wasn't the issue. He petitioned God to, to not destroy the people. 
even if it meant that he didn't get that, that vaulted position that was offered to him. Number one, selflessness. Number two, the, 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 the heart of an intercessor, humility. God says to him, these are your people. In a sense, you are their God. It was God who said it, so he, he could have said, well, God has said it. But when he comes back to God in intercession, when he lifts his prayer to God, he says, no, God, they are your people. You are their God. I've seen many whose potential in prayer to stand in the gap has been destroyed by pride. And the enemy knows how to work pride into a person's prayer life, especially an intercessor. Because sometimes you intercede, the thing comes to pass, and no one gives you credit. That's the lot of an intercessor. But the flesh wants to announce itself. The flesh wants people to know. Those who are interceding, they want people to know that this, thing, this couldn't have happened without the prayers that we said. And as they do that, they're ensnared by spirits of pride that want to point their attention to themselves. Moses said, no, they are not my people. I'm not their God. It's not about me. It's about you, God. You take all the credit. Number three, a boldness. The importunity that Moses shows. The way that God says, I'm going to, and Moses says, look, I'm going. Moses says, I'm pleading with you not to. That boldness could only have been born out of an intimacy with God. You see, there's a certain level of intimacy that engenders boldness in a person. And is it any wonder that God says about Moses in Exodus, the 33rd chapter and the 11th verse, the Bible says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. The Lord spoke to him face to face. Moses was God's friend. They were intimate. It was in that intimacy that Moses could boldly, and there are many more examples, where Moses would boldly come before God on behalf of the people. You can't be an intercessor without intimacy. No. Intercession by its very nature requires a proximity to God so that you, you, you can, from that place of intimacy, petition him. But then I want to now look at Moses' appeal, and I want to give you a... Uh, 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 a, a textbook teaching on intercession. And if you, are, if you have the heart of an intercessor, what I'm about to share with you, you can apply it to intercession for anything. How did Moses approach God? How did he get God to relent? On what basis did Moses appeal? Five points that Moses appealed on. Number one, he appealed on the basis of grace. An intercessor must know how to appeal to God on the basis of grace. And what was he saying? He said, we did not deserve the mighty deliverance you chose to deliver us with. Your great power 
and your mighty hand was what delivered us. What was he saying to God? He was saying, you showed us grace. We didn't deserve it. It wasn't merited. But you showed us grace. Don't withdraw your grace from us. That's a, a, a foundation platform of intercession that we are appealing to a God of grace. The writer of Hebrews says it very clearly that because of Jesus, because Jesus has ascended to the heavens and is seated on the right hand of God, we can come boldly before the throne of God. And he gives us a guarantee that as we come boldly before the throne of God, we are guaranteed that we will have grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. We don't approach a throne of judgment or a throne of condemnation. We approach a throne of grace. An intercessor knows that. And an intercessor knows how to petition God on the basis of the grace of God. You are a God of grace and that's why we can come to you. You have shown us grace before. Now show us grace again. Hallelujah. Number two, he appealed on the basis of God's glory. He says, the Egyptians will say that you brought them out because you couldn't keep them. You brought them out to kill them. What was he saying? Lord, your glory is at stake. It's not about us. It's not about the children of Israel. It's your name's sake, God. What was he saying to God? I'm petitioning you for your name. I'm saying change, relent for your name. I'm saying relent because to not do so will not bring you glory. I am jealous for your glory. That's, a, that's an amazing basis on which to come in intercession. I hope you're noting this point because there's nothing that these things don't ap apply to in terms of intercession. Number one, the grace of God. Number two, it is for your glory. God, do it for your glory. Bring revival to this nation for your glory. Move in my family for your glory. We have declared that you are our God. Lord, it is all about you. We have stood on the rooftops. We have declared in this family that we serve Jehovah the living God. For your name's sake, God, do it. That's the petition of an intercessor. Number three. The, th the third part of his appeal was based on God's wo wo word. What did he say? He said, you swore God to our fathers. You promised. An intercessor knows how to wield God's word and God's promises and take them back to God. That's what I, an intercessor does. You promised. Your word says, you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should change what you have said. Will you say it and not do it? Are you not the God of truth? Is truth not who you are? God, is this not your promise? Did you not, make a, did you not swear concerning this? The Bible says when God looked at everything, he found nothing to swear by, so he swore by himself. And so an intercessor knows how to bring God's word back to him. So you can't be an intercessor without being in the word of God because you don't go to God without the word of God. It is the promise of God that we're taking back to him, that Lord, you said you will do. And because you said you will do, we trust you will do. The appeal is on the basis of his word. Number four, an appeal on the basis of his person. That's what, that's what Moses did. What was Moses saying to God? He was saying, God, you can't, you can't do this. 
You can't do this because you are not wicked. You can't do this because you are not unjust. You can't do this because it is, you are not unfair. What was he saying to God? You're a good God. You're a kind God. You're a merciful God. You can't bring your children out of Egypt with such a mighty hand. And then, yes, they have wronged you, but you're merciful. Show mercy instead of judgment. That's what Moses was saying. The, 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 the temerity of his prayer is something that I, find, I get excited about. That God, no, 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 no. This is not like you, God. No, 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 no. Not the God that we know. You are love, God. Show love, God. God, please, show love. Yes, they are deserving. Yes, they are guilty. Yes, they should be judged. But God, you are the fountain of mercy. May mercy come out of the fountain of your person. He appealed to God on the basis of his person, God's person. And number five, he appealed to God on the basis of the covenant. <laughs> he said to God, God, okay, okay, <laughs> everything else, okay, but God, you're a covenant-keeping God. You are a covenant-keeping God. Guess what he said to God? He said, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You have a covenant with them. God, you can't destroy these people because of the covenant. And you know what? We have a better covenant, the Bible tells us. Our own intercession should be even more exciting because of the better covenant that we have. And God is a covenant-keeping God. We should be able to come and stand in the gap and say, God, you're a covenant-keeping God. Keep your covenant with your people. And what was the result of this amazing intercession? You know, and I've shared with you the heart of the intercessor and the heart of intercession. These five things are the heart of intercession. If an intercessor can move in these five areas, understand it, oh, you can cause amazing things to happen. The Bible said, said when God heard Moses' intercession, the Bible said God relented and said he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't destroy the people. That's the power of intercession. And you know, as we set up the prayer shield, that's what we're hoping for, that you will join with that intercession, that it will spur you on to more intercession, but at least you will join every single day for a year. Let the heavens count you worthy. Let the angel of record keep an account and be able to say to God, every single day your daughter joined for a few minutes to pray for this nation, to intercede for this nation, to declare your word over this nation every single day. And you know, Intercessors are precious to God. You know, we're made like God in his image and his likeness. If something is dear to me and you come alongside to help me bring to pass what is dear to my heart, how many know that you become a special person to me? 
That's how David found his way into God's heart. That God declared himself that this David is a man after my heart. And I'm sure you know that David had done some terrible things. Terrible things. Terrible things. Murder. Adultery. Open rebellion. But God said, you know, it's okay. As long as he asks for forgiveness, forgive those things. Because this, this man's heart, he has a heart of an intercessor. In the same way that Moses had a heart of an intercessor. What's, God's, what's the Bible's testimony about Moses? That God can speak to other prophets in dreams and, and visions. But with Moses, God speaks to him face to face. I pray that as the Spirit of God calls you, you will step out from that self-centered, selfish expression of Christianity. And I say that in inverted commas because the nature of our Christian faith is that it is selfless. It is selfless. Isn't it instructive that when the Lord gives us a pattern of prayer, that one line in that prayer deals with our needs. Um, the rest of it, we're petitioning heaven. We're we are asking God for his kingdom, for his will to be done here on earth. We're praising God. We're extolling God. We're worshiping God. These times are in desperate need of intercessors. People who will stand in the gap. Will you be an intercessor for your family? Your family needs an intercessor. Will you be an intercessor for this church? Will you be an intercessor for this nation? This nation needs intercessors. God bless you. Father, we just thank you, O God, as we just ask that your spirit of intercession will rest on us. Help us to be selfless in our praying. Help us to pour out ourselves, O oh God, for your plans and your purposes. Father, we thank you and we bless you. If there's anyone who hasn't given their lives to Christ, this intimacy that I spoke about, uh, from which we can genuinely intercede, cannot happen except you have a relationship with Christ. And if you want to start that relationship, today is as good as any. I just want to ask if you would allow me to pray with you, if you would open up your heart and receive the gift that Jesus is. And if you will, why don't you say, if you want to, why don't you say this prayer with me? Say, Almighty and everlasting God, I receive your son Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you will help me by your Spirit to live a life that is pleasing to you. I turn away from anything I was doing that was sinful as I embrace a life of obedience to you. I receive your son Jesus as Lord and Savior and declare by this prayer that I am now a child of yours. You are my father. I am now born again. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you as we continue to journey into God's promises.